following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. So that wasn't fair to sing before I have to preach. Hello. Um, I do love that song. I can't help but think of our sweet Anita. So um, just to remind you, uh, we're having a service uh, for Anita today at 1 o'clock after this service. So... um, if you don't plan on staying, that's fine. Just don't leave a mess because we don't have a lot of time to clean up. So um, anyway, um, we're back in the Gospel of Luke this morning in chapter 8, uh, verses 40 through 48, and that's page 866 in the Pew Bibles. Um, I do want to say thank you to Nate for bringing the word last Sunday and uh, hopefully enriching your understanding of the works of C.S. Lewis. Um, I love to look for the gospel uh, symbolized in books and movies. It makes uh, uh, our pursuit of entertainment (laughs) a little more fulfilling. Um, It's a lot of fun and can can really deepen our experiences. Um, If you want to try that, uh, just with a with a beginner level, uh, I recommend watching the movie Superman Returns, specifically <laughs> Superman Returns. You're laughing, but you can see the symbolism of Christ, symbolism of Messiah, all over that movie. It is it's unbelievable, uh, especially knowing that Superman was created by two Jewish men. Um, but uh, really, really neat to look for. So. Um, Nowhere near the quality of uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, but um, still fun. Uh, So in Luke's gospel account in chapter 8 that we're going to look at, Jesus performs two miracles that kind of overlap, um, but we're we're only going to examine one of them um, uh, today, and then um, hopefully next time we'll deal with the other one. The first... Uh, is we're going to look at the healing of the woman with the discharge of blood. Uh, next time, we're going to look at the raising of Jairus' daughter. Um, but we'll read, we'll read most of the account. You'll see they overlap. So Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 40. Now, when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about twelve years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him 
and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful for your word this morning. We're so thankful for your spirit at work among us. And we're thankful for Jesus. We pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us through your word now. That you would speak to us, not me. So that you may be glorified. And we might be encouraged. We love you, Lord, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have to think back to two weeks ago where we left uh, Jesus. Um, he's coming back um, from uh, coming back across the Sea of Galilee from the regions of the Gerasenes, or maybe the, the region of the Gadarenes or the Gadarenes. It all depends on which translation you're reading and which gospel account. But it all means the same area uh, on the, uh, the western side, or the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, so he's coming back uh, from this area where he had freed a man from a whole legion of demons, right? Um, uh, and, and the demons went into the pigs. That's the, uh, the hallmark of the story is 2,000 dead pigs. Um, so Jesus uh, set, set this man free from this legion of demons, and the people there re- rejected him still and begged him to leave their country. So Jesus left and returned back to Galilee, where it appears uh, there was a crowd of people waiting for him uh, on the beach, waiting for him to return. I don't know if they could like see across. It's only five miles, right? So like, you can see, I know you can see across the lake, but like, can you see? Is that little boat? That's the one with Jesus in it. We're just gonna hang out here. Oh, he's getting back in the boat. Come on, everybody. You know, I don't think, I don't think it was that clear. But either way, there is a there. There was a crowd waiting for him. What a contrast, right? On one shore, there's an angry mob that drove Jesus out. Like, get us, get away from us, you pig murderer. We don't want you around us anymore. And on the other side, there's this happy throng of people eagerly anticipating his return. Um, and he just barely gets there. No sooner had he stepped on shore uh, than a man named Jairus came to him and told him about his poor little girl. Now, I don't want to focus on Jairus and his situation. I want to save that for next week. That just kind of sets the context, uh, bears mentioning, um, just to point out the contrast here between, uh, between him and the woman that Jesus is about to heal. Jairus, uh, we have his name, which that's, you know, if you're looking for things to add to your resume, being mentioned by name in the New Testament is a good one. Um, uh, sometimes, you're right, you're right, sometimes. I guess it's kind of 50-50. But. So Jairus is a local synagogue ruler, right? He is the, uh, to 
to parallel. He's the pastor of the church, right? He's the guy that uh, makes sure uh, everything is ready to go for the services every week and all that sort of stuff. So this this fact shows that Jairus is a well-known um, and well-respected person in the community. Um, he was the kind of person that the people in town would want Jesus to help. Um, nobody would question Jesus for agreeing to help this man uh, and to go to his house uh, to see his sick daughter. Uh, and in fact, they all kind of went with him uh, as he was going. Verse 42 says, as Jesus went, the people pressed around him. So there's no question, yeah, Jesus is going uh, to help to help this little girl. Um, and the people pressed around him. Like, in thinking about this, um, it was, it's hard to draw a parallel uh, because New Englanders like their space, right? I mean, I, I, um, <laughs> I watch sermons online, right? And sometimes they pan out and show Alistair Begg at his, at his fancy pulpit. And then all of the people that are there at the service, and they're all sitting shoulder to shoulder in rows. And I, like, did they say, everybody squeeze in so we can get you in the shot, right? I don't think so. It's just, and then I look out at you guys. <laughs> Church is full. There's a, you got to come in, you got to stand in the back, you know, right? So these, uh, these folks are clearly not New Englanders. Um, this crowd's all squeezed together and pressed in on Jesus as they walk from the beach to Jairus' house. Uh, and that's, that's where um, our story kind of takes a turn. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched... <clears throat> touched the fringe of his garment and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. Excuse me. Now this woman could not be more different than Jairus. Um, Jairus, being the ruler of the synagogue in town, uh, was way up on the religious ladder, right? A respected religious official uh, in a very spiritual place to live. This was important. Um, it's certainly not 21st century America. Um, and this lady, on the other hand, was at the bottom of the ladder. Um, not because of sin, necessarily. Uh, it's not like uh, the sinful woman that Jesus had healed um, previously in the synagogue. This lady was not at the bottom because of sin, but because of blood. Um, and again, this might be difficult for us to, to, to kind of grasp. See, the Levitical laws um, made any woman with an issuance of blood ceremonially unclean. You can read about that if you'd like in Leviticus chapter 15, verses 19 through 22. This woman was not allowed to go to synagogue. This woman was not allowed to go to the temple. Anything this lady touched, any chair she sat on, any bed she slept on, and anybody who touched her would be ceremonially unclean. Right? 
So this might not sound like a big deal to you because we don't deal with that. Uh, you're all ceremonially unclean. Get over it, right? Jesus is our purification, right? But this lady uh, had to deal with things much different than we do. Um, this was a big deal to her. Sure. Wouldn't she have to call out unclean, unclean as she walks near people? No. That's for leprosy. That's, that's different. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, this lady suffered for 12 years with this, not just with a physical ailment, but also uh, the, the physical, not just the physical ailment and the problems that go with that, but also 12 years of social separation, right? Isolation. This poor lady had spent all her money on doctors trying to get well, as is totally reasonable, and she had nothing left. She spent all she had on doctors and medicines and tried to get healed. And Matthew's account of this says she only got worse. She's sick. She's poor. She's alone. Defiled, destitute, discouraged, and desperate. And then along comes Jesus. Right? What's interesting to me is the quality of this woman's faith. This does not agree with how I see things at all. Um, in Matthew's account, in Matthew 9:21, Matthew records that the woman thought to herself or said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Now think about that for a minute. Does that sound like saving faith in Jesus Christ to you? It does? Well, you're wrong. It isn't. <laughs> That's the crazy part about this. This is like if I rub the rabbit's foot, maybe I will win the lottery. This is superstition. Right? This is a weird mix. Like, I, I love theological accuracy, right? And if you believe in Jesus correctly, this, this, and this will happen. I, that's not how this goes. That's not how this stories go. This woman's faith is only half a notch above superstition. She's not superstitious, but she's a little stitious. Thank you. Right? This lady's understanding. I needed that as much as you did. Um, this lady's understanding of Jesus was only that he was a powerful healer, right? Uh, he had healed other people in their synagogue already. And she, he was on his way to help somebody else. And if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed too. And even with her mixed up ideas of faith and superstition, she joins the crowd pressing in on Jesus and gets her chance. In verse 44, she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? Now, if, you're, if we're honest in thinking about this, we would probably say the same thing to Jesus as Peter did. Um, who, when Jesus said, who was it that touched me? And everybody said, well, not, not me, right? 
And Peter says, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. This seems ridiculous. Who touched me? Um, everybody? <laughs> the whole crowd of people squeezing in on Jesus as he walks along, and all squeezed together, and Jesus asked, who touched me? The best part of it is everybody said it wasn't me. <laughs> you know? Remember family circus? Cir- circle? Circus. The, circus. The, right, the little cartoon. And the mother said, who broke this? And they said, not me. And not me is a, a little invisible person that's going around and breaking everything. <laughs> right? This is uh, not me. Who touched me? Not me. All right, it's a lot of invisible people here in this scene. <sighs> that was stupid. <laughs> everybody denies touching him, even though everybody was touching him. Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And then our defiled and destitute and discouraged and desperate lady comes forward. And the woman saw that she was not hidden. She came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. What's the difference between her touch and everybody else's touch? I think it's motivation. Everybody else was touching Jesus just because the crowd was all squished together. They're all, you know, I can't help but touch him because everybody's pushing against me, right? This lady, in her imperfect mix of faith and superstition, intentionally reached out for the hem of his garment so she could be healed. And she was. She was healed. She was healed completely. And it wasn't because of her theological accuracy. It wasn't because she understood fully. It was because she trusted Jesus. There's a clip that's been uh, going around on Facebook the last week of Alistair Begg talking about the, the thief on the cross. Have you seen that? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, I, I, I can't even begin to paraphrase. But he talks about the thief on the cross uh, getting to heaven and saying, why are, you know, why are you here? I mean, you haven't been baptized. You, haven't, you didn't go through Sunday school. You, know, you weren't a member of the church. Um, how did you get here? And he's like, I don't know but the guy on the middle cross said I could come. <laughs> so find that. It's way, he's way better at it than me. But. <laughs> John Calvin wrote, God deals kindly and gently with his people, accepts their faith, though imperfect and weak, and does not lay charge to their faults and imperfections with which it is connected. I'm so glad that we have a father like that. I'm so glad that he's so different than me. Because I'd say, lady, you can't just rub the rabbit's foot and all your wishes come true. He's not a genie in a bottle. Stop rubbing him. 
And Jesus asked, who touched me? Why? Why would he ask? He knew. It wasn't because he didn't know. It wasn't because Jesus was ignorant. I think there are two reasons why Jesus asked who touched him. The first is that Jesus knew who touched him. He knew what had happened. And the woman knew that she touched him. And she knew what had happened. But nobody else did. Right? She didn't, it doesn't say she touched the hem of his garment and then she was healed and then bright light started shining and the winds and the angels started singing and everybody knew what had happened. Nobody knew. Just her and Jesus. And then Jesus calls her out to tell her story. Verse 47 says, And falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. Now think about that for a second. This lady had suffered for 12 years for this moment. Who likes that? Oh, we're, oh, sign me up. Give me something to suffer for so that I can be healed in a moment and tell everybody my story. That's what we want, right? Well, bob your head now. Wait until your car doesn't start, right? Wait until something horrible happens to you on the way home. Still going to feel that way? I'm, no, I'm not. No, thank you. I'd like to praise the Lord with my perfect life when everything is going fine. Thank you. That's not reality. This lady suffered for 12 years for this moment. All the pain, all the heartache, all the loneliness for all of those years led her right here to Jesus, right to this moment. A moment that would not only change her life, but would define the rest of her life. Not just taking care of everything that had happened, but will shape everything that will happen. She got the privilege of telling this story. How she had suffered and how Jesus had healed her just by touching the hem of his garment. This is the song that she would sing into eternity. And people are still singing that song. The second reason I think that Jesus asked who touched him was a rebuke to the crowd. You're going to like this even better. The second reason I think Jesus asked who touched him was a rebuke to the crowd. Who was it that was touching Jesus? According to Peter, everybody was. But not everybody experienced what this lady did. Not everybody got the same blessing as this lady. 
Warren Wiersbe wrote, you can be part of the crowd and never get any blessing from being near Jesus. I think there's a warning there for us as well. Don't just settle for being near Jesus. Don't just settle for just going to church or doing Jesus-y things. We all need to reach out to him in faith, even if it's only to touch the hem of his garment. And when he changes your life, because he will, you have the privilege of telling your story. We get to share our testimony of what Jesus has done for us. Now, I don't know about you, but I've spent enough time around the campfire, out to camp, and hearing the horror stories of how, you know, I used to murder people and deal drugs and, and uh, you know, kick puppies and all that stuff. And then I met Jesus when I was eight, and then blah, 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 right? And then it becomes a big competition. Now, maybe you think your testimony is boring. I grew up going to church. My parents are Christians, you know. My dad's a pastor. Everything's been pretty good. And then there's Jesus also, and that's cool. Or maybe you're somewhere in the middle. But I can tell you, with absolute surety, just like this woman, that you, before you met Jesus, were dead. And then Jesus shows up and you came back to life. Not just back to life, but you got a whole new life that will last forever. Sounds like a real boring testimony, doesn't it? You were dead and now you are alive. That's the story that you get to tell. right? However many chapters there were before that, I don't know. What's inside of those things, I don't know. How many puppies you kicked, I don't know. But the truth is, you were dead, and now you are alive. And if you think that's boring, you are wrong. We all have a story to tell. We all, just like this lady, have the privilege of sharing what happened to us. And it is not boring. Nobody, nobody, nobody can argue with a changed life. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this account and the reminder that our challenges and our suffering and our pain is a privilege. May it do the same for us that it did for this poor woman. And that is to bring us to Jesus. Whether we've known him forever or have never put our trust in him. Bring us to Jesus. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness when we forget just exactly what you have done in our lives 
what you are continuing to do. Lord, give us courage to share the story of how you raised us from the dead. How we were dead in our trespasses and our sins. And then along came Jesus and you changed everything. Lord, none of us are perfect. We are in continuous need of your forgiveness. And we are so grateful for your grace. Help us, Lord, to stop dabbling in sin and to turn from it. Help us, Lord, to remember what we once were so that we'll never go back there again. We're so grateful for this story. May we share our stories with those that don't know you so that they would have a chance to be healed to be forgiven, to be adopted as your child. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.